The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Friday, April 19th. We're recording a little bit late this week, but I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined by Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer, as I always am. Dan, how's Northeast Ohio this time of year? It is rainy and cold, feeling a little uh, unruly. <laughs> Fair enough, aren't you? I know the weather here is a little bit better than that, but uh, what do you have planned for the weekend? Anything big? Uh, eh, a little bit of this and that. Should be a pretty fun one, though, I think. I like it. I like it. Uh, no, no plans. Just, uh, just yeah. Easter. Just Easter. He has risen. More of a Wester guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got to talk NBA playoffs. We're in the midst of it now, and uh, obviously we, we previewed a little bit leading up to it. We've been talking about this league all year, uh, but it's time to see where things end up. And look, going through the Western Conference, there were some surprises. I think the biggest surprise right now, Anshu, is that the Spurs are out to a 2-1 lead over the number 2 seed Denver Nuggets. Are you surprised at all? I mean, obviously we know Popovich is a great coach. We know LaMarcus Aldridge is still there. They bring in DeRozan in the Kawhi Leonard trade. Uh, but I, I'd have to say I'm a little surprised to see them up 2-1 in the series. Yeah, I mean, I am too. I, I You know, it's, again, no series starts till the home team loses. And the series started in game two when the Spurs knocked off the Nuggets. And, I mean, that's, that's really where we're – Game one, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, the fact that they're up 2-1, can can the Nuggets go and steal one in San Antonio? I, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. And we – you know, we talked at length during the Kawhi Leonard trade talks about the fact that, you know, this Spurs team last year did not have Kawhi Leonard and still was a seven seed in a, in a pre, or I think it was a six in a pretty good Western Conference. And you know, they just added out of nowhere Demar Derozan to that. Yes, they lost Ginobili. Yes, they lost Parker. But you know, you add a top twenty-five player in the league to that team, and with the best coach in the league or one of the best coaches in the league, I mean. I don't know that we should be that surprised, especially with the way the Nuggets played down the stretch. So I'm feeling pretty good about the Spurs right now and making moving along. And, and you know, they're, they're going to be a dangerous team in the next round as well, I think, if they make it. Yeah, a little surprised. I mean, but you, you said it, it. Greg Popovich, he, I mean, you said he probably is the best coach in the league. I, I think he. I, I think it's safe to say that he still is. I mean, as long as he's here doing this at a high level and with the, with the roster that he has, it's just not what you expect. Uh, you know, out of a team with with this little, with this much youth, with this little of a of kind of an identity from a superstar standpoint, DeRozan has carried his weight and been good. But Marcus Aldridge is, is not what I would consider a superstar at this point. But Derek White was 15 out of 21 in this game, uh, which was a huge surprise to me. I mean, this is a kind of his coming out party, but he finished with uh, 30 uh, was it 36 points in this game. So pretty impressive for him. Uh, anything, you know, to look out for from Denver? I mean, obviously they're kind of in a hole now. They're going to play another game tomorrow on the road in San Antonio. And if they if they go down 3-1, I mean, it, it, it'd be a tough thing to climb out of against such a well-coached team. Dan, any thoughts on the Spurs? Yeah, I compare it. You mentioned Popovich. Compare it to we're just coming off of March and Tom Izzo. You never count out these experienced 
coaches, these experienced teams. There's so much to be said in, in basketball for just trusting the system, understanding the system you're in, uh, and being able to play within that system to a high level, uh, especially when you don't have the superstars uh, that are you're going up against on the other side of the court. So um, I, I put that as a direct comparison uh, of Michigan State and the Spurs of just guys who've been there, coaches who've been there, uh, and you never bet against, you shouldn't bet against those guys in a close series. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. And mm-hmm. you think about, you know, speaking of guys that coached in college and, and you know, thinking about the, the way that the game translates, we've seen some coaches make that move. There's a couple of them coaching here in the Western Conference when you look at Utah and at Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is a team that uh, I know at least Anshu and I had picked to win this series against Portland. Yusuf Nurkic going down we thought was going to be huge. Uh, but Portland looks really good. They get C.J. McCollum. He's back healthy. He's playing really well. Damian Lillard's range is just crazy when it comes playoff time. Uh, but OKC now down 0-2. Uh, they're going to have to win two games at home to keep this series interesting. What do you think happens here in this one, Dan? Uh, I mean, this is the one that we, you know, we thought the Thunder could put up more of a fight, uh, and clearly they're not doing it. Just a team that looks kind of deflated, really. Uh, you know, you have the talent to really compete. It's not like the, the Trailblazers are just that unbelievably better. Um, compared to what we've seen so far. So, uh, you know, I expect more of a fight to come out of the Thunder. I don't expect them uh, to continue to play as poorly. I mean, get beat by 20 points on, on Tuesday night. Um, and, uh, you know, not a, not a great game, even though it was a close game uh, in game one on Sunday. But you have to expect more of a fight out of a team like the Thunder. Again, uh, some you have some experience there. You wouldn't think that they would they would not be able to at least steal one of those first couple games. So, uh, I think Trailblazers still end up winning this thing. Just they they look significantly better. Uh, but you know, I, you at least got to think the Thunder can make it interesting. Yeah, and aren't you? If you if you look at these other three series, these these three series here on the West, aside from Denver and San Antonio, you've got Houston up two nothing on Utah and Golden State up two one on the Clippers. Would you say that Oklahoma City of the three teams down in the series still has the best in those three, the best chance to move on? That is. Uh ooh. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, you're saying the non-Denver teams, right? Yeah, right. I mean, Clippers, Utah, OKC. I think you could even argue they have a better chance of winning than Denver. I'm, I'm still all aboard the Thunder bandwagon. I think that look, they're down 2-0. I agree with Dan that they, you know, maybe they should have stole one of those two. We've Josh talked about Oklahoma City likely being the best contender to the Warriors at least coming into the playoffs. Probably don't think that now, but. You know, again, series doesn't start till the home team loses. Oklahoma City has a couple games at home. They start with a Friday night playoff game, game three at home tonight on ESPN. I feel like that's going to be that's going to be a, a big time performance for the Thunder, and they've just got to be better. I mean, look, Russell Westbrook was a minus twenty seven on the court, and two that is unacceptable, and he's got to be way better on defense. Damian Lillard's getting everything he wants. I mean, they've they've just got to be better defensively against those guards, and they should be. They they should have looked at Dan's Pelicans' last uh, playoffs <laughs> and just seen what it, what it takes. You got to snuff out McCollum and Lillard, and especially without Nurkic. I, I mean, you know, they've got to be better uh, with the against those guards, and I think at home they will be. And Paul George. Only a minus eleven, which isn't nearly as bad as his uh, his running mates there in the backcourt. I mean, he's got to do, he's got to perform like he did last game. He's got to shoot a little bit better. But at home, I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff there for the Thunder, and I expect them to come out and win by. I'm going to say I think they'll win by six or eight plus. 
Yeah, they need it, as does uh, Orlando and Toronto, both here in the Eastern Conference this evening. So Toronto dropped the first game in this series to the Magic. They're tied up at 1-1. Everything else is starting to look as lopsided as we thought it would be coming in. Boston's up 2-0 on Indiana. Milwaukee up 2-0 on Detroit. And obviously Detroit without Blake Griffin, uh, that's an issue. Brooklyn wins game one against Philly, but they end up dropping the next two. And Embiid didn't play in game three. Looks like he's doubtful for game four. Uh, Aren't you, of these Eastern Conference series, which which one do you think has the the best chance for an underdog to come out on top? Um, hmm. I would probably have said Brooklyn, especially before game three, when, when we found out that Embiid was surprisingly not going to play and, you know, Brooklyn getting two games at home, that's scary for the Sixers, but just way too much there, um, way too much skill. And, and I think that, you know, when you have four awesome players, like the, the Sixers doing their starting lineup and really a couple others, both off the bench and with the ball, like JJ Redick, I mean, they, Sometimes getting one of those guys out of there is a good thing. You know, it kind of like greases the wheels a little bit. And I I feel like, you know, I I would say all the favorites are likely to win, obviously. But the Nets still, to me, are the have the best shot of of maybe making it seven or six games. And uh, I I was surprised that they lost that game, honestly, without Embiid, because the way they were looking after game one and two, I mean, I thought that they looked pretty close to the Sixers overall. Yeah, I mean, Dan, thinking about this Eastern Conference, we talked a lot about the top four seeds when you think about Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, and Boston. Of those four so far in these playoffs, who, you, who are you most impressed by? Um, the the Sixers being able to just continue to win uh, without Embiid playing, I think, you know, I know we just talked about that series, but uh, you wouldn't really expect them to to be as, to look as good as they do uh, without him in the lineup, so um, I'll give I'll give them that in in most uh, impressive of those top four. Uh, it, that's a team that I think we are all a little down on when we talked earlier uh, during our, our playoff preview. Um, I don't think either of us or any or the three of us really expect them to continue to play if they had as well as they have if they had injury issues, and they are now having those injury issues. So um, kudos to them for being able to to continue to roll. Uh, even with you know with one of their stars sitting on the bench. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Embiid uh, obviously brings a lot to the team, and, and it has looked great. I mean, in, in Game 2 when they won that, it, he looked excellent in that game. Aren't you thinking about the uh, the other teams or, or thinking about you know Boston, Toronto? Which which one of those four seeds that we just talked about looking the most impressive do you think has uh, the best chance of losing in the second round? Or who's, who's I guess, impress, impressed you the least, to pose it a different way? Um, I, I, I mean – Impressed me the least. I guess I'd actually go the other way against Dan there. I would say Philadelphia of those four because they're so talented. I think you said uh, either on another show or, or a previous week that Philly was arguably the most talented team top to bottom. I mean, I I still think the most vulnerable team of the four is clearly Boston. Like, I, I, I still think that that series against Indiana could go seven just because, you know, we've seen them drop down, look good at times, and then drop down at times, and it's just – you know they're they're a team that is so erratic and they're so not together in my mind. But winning the way they did, coming back and holding off the Pacers was impressive. Game two, I still though think that if any of them, they're they're the least impressive to me. Milwaukee and Toronto, even with the loss for Toronto, those two teams are so head and shoulders over the other two and and the other four. Even I would say. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would have said Toronto after that first game. You know, DJ Augustine, a guy who's been, you know, journeyman point guard, not exactly a star in this league, uh, goes off in game one, and Orlando pretty much winning it the whole way. Uh, but Toronto was able to bounce back so well that it, I'm going to have to reserve judgment on Toronto and what I expect out of them. I mean, I had them winning the East uh, coming into these playoffs, but I, I think Toronto, looking as vulnerable as they did in game one, it, it's going to be interesting to see what Orlando is able to do in Florida, because if they can if they can win a game in Orlando, it, you just you just don't know. I mean, we've seen eight seeds beat one seeds in the playoffs before, so it can happen. Um, but I, I would say I agree with everything you said about Boston. I think with the injury to Marcus Smart, uh, just some of the issues that they've had with chemistry this year, I think Boston is a beatable team. And Indiana, if Victor Oladipo's there and they're a five seed, that's a completely different team. Obviously, you can't say what would be, but uh, I think Indiana's still a team that could rally. They have a really solid crowd. I was there at a playoff game last year. That place gets loud. Um, I think I think uh, the Pacers could still even this series and, and bring it back to Boston 2-2. But uh, yeah, I would say Toronto was the least impressive to me. Um, but uh, I think Boston, like like you said, Anchi, I agree. They, they would probably be the most vulnerable to me as well. Um, any final thoughts on the playoffs? Obviously, we'll talk more as things progress. Uh, but any final thoughts on the playoffs from either of you guys before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that everything is lining up for this Rockets-Warriors thing to be, you know, I, I think that there are three teams that can win this championship, maybe four if you include the Raptors, but I think Bucks, Rockets, and Warriors, and we're going to get Rockets-Warriors almost certainly next round. So, there's, you know, the, the way that they're playing, especially defensively, the Rockets, that is, we haven't talked about them at all. I mean, they are looking dangerous as hell, especially with Cousins out. Um, you know, it's just, I, I think that that's going to be super interesting. And then, you know, the potential crash core collision course of the Bucks and the Raptors. I, if we get those two series, I think that'll make for some really fun rounds since they won't be at the same time. How amazing would it be if we saw somebody other than Golden State, maybe Portland, maybe Port- Denver play against oh. Milwaukee in the finals? Can Milwaukee? you imagine, no, but, can you imagine oh, having man. a Portland Milwaukee NBA finals, like two of the smallest markets in professional sports? Adam Silver would not be happy about that. Not at all. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk more about them. We're going to be watching. We love the NBA playoffs. Uh, it's an exciting time, but let's move on to baseball. We're in the heart of, of baseball season now. Things starting to move along. Weather's starting to warm up. Uh, we had a story here in Chicago, so I uh, wanted to touch on this. No, no bias, zero bias segment for us here. But oh. we, had, uh, we had our Throwback. boy. We had our boy Timmy Anderson. Uh, you saw the bat flip, aren't you? Uh, Dan, I know we talked about it before the show. Uh, Anderson, you know, does a little bit of an aggressive bat flip after hitting a home run off of Brad Keller. Uh, and apparently there were some, some words that were exchanged. Uh, but Tim Anderson ends up getting suspended a game for this. Uh, Anji, I just got to hear your thoughts. I know there's some bias there because you are a Chicago fan. But do you think this is the right move here, suspending Tim Anderson? It's, it sounds like he may have said something when the benches actually ended up clearing uh, because Keller did hit him with the pitch his next time up. But are you suspended? Or su- uh, surprised at the suspension here? Uh, I'm shocked because of the way, you know, the backlash. And then beyond that, you know, MLB's official Twitter account literally said, let the kids play, tagged Tim Anderson in it, and then replayed the bat flip. I mean, what kind of weird backwards message are you sending with both these comments? I mean, and beyond that, Tim Anderson, you know, yes, we're biased, but he has been arguably the star at the plate of this early season. I mean, he has been Super interesting. I mean, this is a league that is craving stars, guys that want, you know, more and more, not even just attention, but just are fun to watch for players. Like, 
for kids, like players that kids want to wear the jersey of. And, you know, this guy, Tim Anderson, has done it the right way. They didn't sign Machado. What does he say? He says, you know, get off the trainer, get run over, basically. And and so, like, this is this is the dude, for especially for a White Sox fan, but even just across the, the country. Like, you should be promoting these guys. And by doing this, by suspending him another game, after he had to be kicked out of a game, that you could argue he his absence from basically lost them that game. I know baseball is a team sport, but that was – you know, he his spot was up in the order multiple times in big spots, as you you texted me about. And you know, to to suspend him, I think, is a really bad message to be sending to the league. You're basically saying like, you know, we don't want fun, we don't want interesting, we don't want, you know, we're literally penalizing you for you know being, uh, you know, interesting, which is crazy to me. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, and this reminds me of I don't know if you guys remember that uh, AJ Green, Jalen Ramsey, they get into that little squabble and there was thoughts that there was going to be a suspension and both of them basically did not get suspended because they said they were sitting, they sit out basically the entire game. So that's the suspension. I mean, isn't that what Tim Anderson did here? This is a game that went into extra innings. The division's very competitive right now, obviously very early in the season. Mankata goes down with what was thought to potentially be a concussion, which he avoided. Um, but Tim Anderson, he, he's been he's been batting basically close to 500 the entire season. Now you take him out of the lineup for today's game against Detroit, which is a big game again. They've been playing in close games recently, and this team, you know, I, I don't I don't think they're a year ahead of where we thought they'd be necessarily yet. But I will say, if nothing else, they're fun to watch. And now you're taking to Anchu's point, one of the most fun players to watch on this team out for a game for, for getting excited about hitting a home run. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. Dan, as, as, a, as an Indians fan, what are your thoughts? I mean, I loved it. I'm all for the, the let the kids play thing. I think Anchu makes a really good point about just the, uh, just the weird message it sends. I almost think they're, they're playing both sides of this, right? So MLB is sitting there and putting out on their social media, which you know is, uh, especially Twitter, is going to be more geared towards a younger audience uh, and and pumping that stuff out to let them play. They're going to put commercials on. But then by suspending them, they can say to the kind of old school baseball guys and the writers and, and, you know, oh, no, we suspended him. Like, we don't like we don't condone this. He's suspended. Uh, And so they're kind of playing both sides of the coin. Uh, And if anybody's actually paying attention, uh, you know, uh, uh, obviously, I'm assuming most of our listeners, you know, Anshi pointed it out, uh, you know, you can see that just the hypocrisy there. So, I mean, the MLB needs to make a decision on on where they're going to side with. And on some level, it's just baffling to me you're continuing to side with the the old school writers and the guys who are sitting there saying this is horrible for the game and all this stuff. It's like, how is this horrible? Like, how many how many likes and retweets did that thing get? You know, how great is that for the game, uh, for kids to be watching it? And it's not like, I mean, it's not like you sat there and, like, flipped off the picture, right? The bat flip stuff is exciting, uh, and it's not going to ruin the integrity of the game. People have been, you look at some of the other markets, uh, especially the, the Asian markets, Japan and, and uh, China and, and some of those other uh, countries um, that, that they're playing baseball in, is th- that's been part of their tradition for as long as they've been playing baseball over there, right? I mean, there's, yep. there's all kinds of that stuff that goes on. Uh, obviously, in, in Latin American countries, there's a lot of that flair, and, and last time I checked, it didn't ruin it. Uh, and if nothing else, a lot of young players playing it. So it's just baffling to me that Major League Baseball isn't siding on the side of uh, of bat flips. Maybe that should be our, our mantra, get some T-shirts. In oh, there. yeah. Let the bats fly. I like yeah. Let the bats fly. That's <laughs> awesome. Dan also has really interesting perspective because of his work with kids, you know, with the with the baseball playing youth of America. So honestly, like, 
you know, you get to see the kids every day. I mean, it, like they're, you know, if they're watching anybody, I imagine they're more interested in watching, you know, like a guy like Tim Anderson than some, you know, act like you've been there before or whatever type of player. Yeah. And so right. for, yeah, for any of our listeners who don't know, I coach a bunch of youth baseball, uh, one of which is a 12 year old team who actually just the other night, two players put balls over the fence for the first time that they've ever done it. And they're running around first with their arms stretched out and screaming. And like, I can't even fathom like some old school baseball writer, like sitting in the stands going like, Oh, that's horrible. They should right. act like been here before. It's like, you're a kid, like playing a kid's game, and this, you know, you put your first home run out. Like that should carry over to when you're playing professionally. Like that, that excitement and that passion. Uh, There's a great Players Tribune article today. Francisco Lindor uh, talks about just how much he loves playing the game and how it takes him back to being a little kid uh, and, and playing the game with his his cousins and uncles and um, and basically says like when I'm at my best is when I feel like I'm playing like I'm a little kid again. Uh, and so if anyone didn't read that, check it out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to, to try to like dampen the excitement that you just naturally feel when you put a ball over the fence for the first time when you're 12 years old, you know, that should carry over, right? I mean, that's what makes kids continue to want to play, continue to grow the game. Uh, and I don't understand why the MLB doesn't just fully embrace that. Yeah, and, and you would think you would want to heighten the excitement of what is already – as much as I hate to say it, a boring sport to watch. I mean, on TV, it's a sport that I, I love baseball, but it's usually on in the background and I have to be doing something yeah. else because it drags. And you're taking or you're trying to table or take away some of that excitement in a game that doesn't give you that many moments of excitement as it is. I mean, baseball purists obviously love it because of the game, but is, is, it, is it really that exciting of a sport to watch minus maybe a few playoff games here and there? If you're if you're a fan, maybe, but there there aren't that many exciting moments in a game. People hit a home run, you know, strikeouts are exciting. But for, to see a guy do that and then have the bat flip and you know get excited about it, it just frustrates me that the game wants to, you know, either put a kibosh on that or, or silence it or whatever. And if if something was said and it was derogatory or whatever, that's you know that's, that's a whole other thing. That's and fair. and then there there are reports now saying that that's what it is and it wasn't the bat flip. And hopefully that's the case because that I can that I can live with that I can get behind. I just don't want to see you know. But to Dan's point, players who want to feel like the game is you're playing like like you're your kid again. You should be able to do that. And I loved it as a fan. I mean, I was texting you immediately, aren't you? Because I was watching that live. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. And, yeah, and, and, yeah, for sure. I, I think it, I think it's a it's a great point. Like it's it's I mean I I think that look you're trying to draw eyes to the game, especially in that those key demographics. You want Dan's players to watch the games. Like these are the guys that are going to be longtime fans, hopefully. And you know with the way that the league is, with the, the amount that sabermetrics play, and you know really the shifting. Like the reality is that if unless we have massive rule changes, like it's going to be harder and harder to find spots to hit. Like it just is. So when you have a fun, interesting personality, like you should go out of your way to cultivate that, not put it down. And you're right. It's a good, it's an important caveat that if he's saying something derogatory, you got to suspend him a hundred percent. But I just, you know, and and I think the fact that Brad Keller got suspended too is important in this whole thing, because you know, the, the, the fact is that he, he actually threw the ball at Tim Anderson for bat flipping. Like, are we talking <laughs> about the same thing here? Are you serious that they both got kicked out of this game? Um, if, you know, basically drew the same penalty um, is, is wild to me that that's how this all played out. But, you know, at the same time, um, 
I, I just I get it if there's some language barrier there that shouldn't have been crossed, but I I hate the message because of what it means. Like the, how we're reacting to it, we all think it's because of the bat flip. You know, the the fact is that perception is reality, and that's how everyone's going to perceive it. Yeah, good point. All right, guys, let's move on to our oh by the ways. Dan, what do you have for us here on this Friday evening? Well, I guess it's afternoon. <laughs> well, I'll stick. Uh... Stick on brand during this time of the year. Some playoff hockey update. Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, my home state of Ohio, although not my not my team, uh, with a huge <laughs> upset uh, in sweeping the the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-0. Um, I've never seen my social media have so much discussion on hockey uh, <laughs> in my entire life. So Columbus uh, coming out of the woodwork uh, to finally learn that they have a hockey team. So <laughs> good for you guys, but just an, an absolutely unreal uh, upset. The Lightning tied the NHL record for most points in a season. I mean, they were far and away the favorite, uh, at least in the East, uh, and arguably just overall to win the Cup. And the Blue Jackets just kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, former Blackhawk, uh, I mean, Panarin, uh, with some big contributions there in that series. So. It's been a uh, been a little bit of a wild hockey ride here in the great state of Ohio. Yeah, I mean that's pretty impressive for Columbus being the eighth seed to knock off the the team with the best record regular season wise in the history of hockey. I mean that's 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 pretty amazing. Um, but uh, my oh by the way, real quick is going to be a couple quick things. Obviously, the NFL schedule came out just a couple days ago. Uh, Dan, Dan's Cleveland Browns have four primetime games, and the Bengals only primetime <laughs> games against Pittsburgh. I just love the narrative and, and how things are going right now for me as a Bengals fan. It's going to be bad, folks. Uh, also, the Jacob Degrom. We talked about Jacob Degrom and how how excellent he's been so far this season. Uh, and Anshu, you pointed out if he stays healthy, he could be the best pitcher in the ba- Major League Baseball. And if he doesn't, which he hasn't, uh, the, the Mets are going to have some issues. Well, he's going to have an MRI on his right elbow. He's going to miss his next start. Uh, we're going to see how this turns out, but that could be real bad news for a Mets team that looked very promising early on. Anshu, what do you have? Take us home, my friend. Two things. Number one, also NFL related, the NFL draft, obviously next week. My sweet baby is coming. Um, <laughs> about eight months and two weeks pregnant so um another yeah no so <laughs> it's uh <laughs> that was that. absurd um so <laughs> um but no so the news today was that john gruden and mike mayock have basically taken all of their staffers out of the oakland war room and it's just literally going to be them two and maybe one other guy in their war room and like you know for these scouts that spend literally years <laughs> on the road living out of their suitcases and like their cars like this is their you know this is like their christmas and they're not like and they're supposed to be able to be in the room that's kind of the point but mayhawk and gruden just apparently don't trust anybody from the reggie mckenzie regime and they're booting all of them um so none of them are allowed to be in the room and it's just going to be these two watching the nfl network setting up their board which is just hilarious to me i don't know i thought that was really funny (laughs) that's Um, a dumpster fire so, I mean, it's going to be, I don't know. And they've got three first rounders. Like, how are just these two guys going to manufacture all the movement that they have to do and try to close the gaps that they created by trading Cooper and Mac over the last year? And I just, it's going to be just such a shit. You know, I, I can't wait. Classic. But, um, yes. And then the other thing, just to bring us fully home, is very happy birthday to one of my best buddies, fiancés. And, uh, you know, has occasionally made a cameo on this show. So 
happy birthday, Bianca. Hopefully, I'm sure you'll listen to this word for word, but uh, hopefully you have a fun weekend and uh, and it's as great as she is. What a guy. What a guy. Well, thank you for that, Anshu. I will make sure she hears it from me if she doesn't hear the show. Uh, <laughs> anything you guys would like to add for the good of the group? Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening, as always. Yeah, happy Easter. Love you guys. We will see you next week. This has been The Leftovers. For Anshu Khan and Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn.